Son of the Lord Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. So good to be here and to be celebrating what we're celebrating and also so privileged to stand here as we do and bring God's word to us and really trusting that when we do bring God's word, our hearts are ready to receive from him. And even if you're here this morning as a guest or someone who doesn't normally go to church, we pray that maybe something of who God is and what God wants to say to you gets received by you this morning. And so today I'm gonna talk about an idea, an idea that is so pervasive, an idea that probably most people in this room assume as irrefutable truth, an idea that gets shared all over social media, an idea that people say to you and you in many ways have probably turned and said it to many other people. This is an idea that is at the core of so many of our movies, even our kids' movies. And I want to show you that this idea on its own can be one of the most dangerous ideas out there to you. And in the same breath, I want to show you that if we take this idea and look at it through the lens of Christ and our identity, which is what the series is all about, it has the power to be one of the most powerful ideas out there. So what idea am I talking about? And this may shock you, but it is the idea that goes somewhere along these lines. Just be you. Just be true to yourself. And you're shocked, Stephen. I mean, I, I live by that. I put that all over social media. Well, I decided to look at the top three memes that came up when I Googled this. The first one goes, be true to yourself, be who you are, not who the world wants you to be. Secondly, it can be scary or hard to be true to yourself. You may need to bide your time until the right moment, but you only get one life and you deserve to live it for real. And the third most popular one that came up was this, never apologize for being true to yourself. And without the introduction that I gave you earlier, maybe you're already feeling so uplifted by these phrases, right? And so why am I going here? Well, I mentioned earlier that we're doing a series called Identity with the emphasis on the word dent. Because one of the most core struggles for us is how do we live out our identity especially when there are so many things out there in the world that dent our identities and things within us, in our hearts and in our minds that dent our identities. And how therefore can God step in and heal us and restore us so that we can fully live out our identities? Over the last two weeks, Craig laid down the foundation of what our identity is. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, our identity, we've heard it this morning, is that we are children of God. And that He fully adopts us into His family to the point where we look at Jesus and as strange as it sounds, we become co-heirs with Jesus. And God gives us the blessing of His presence and so something in us can call out to our father that he's our dad. We also heard that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us less. There's nothing we can do to make us love us more. 
make him love us more. Our identity is not based on our performance. It is just based on his grace. And he showers us with love and he accepts us. And that is our identity. The problem is when it comes to taking that head idea and living it out every single day. Because here is something that I reckon is true of every single one of us. And that is this. We will always live out and act out of and feel out of our core sense of identity. Meaning, regardless of what is true about my identity, there is going to be something within myself that is my core sense of identity, and I'm always going to live out of that. And so if you're saying be true to yourself, and you can say that my identity is perfectly aligned with who the Father is, then by all means, live that out. It's one of the most powerful things in the world. But the problem for most of us is, my struggle every single day is to align my core sense of identity with who I actually am in God. And so if I'm gonna live out this identity, I'm gonna dance myself and I'm gonna dance others. Let me try and illustrate. And it is quite an extreme illustration, but we know that the slavery of 2022 is human trafficking. And so I want you to just imagine some of these people who are involved in the world of human trafficking. And think of someone who, this is the only world they've ever known and they're 16 years old and think about how their identity has been dented. Think about how they've been dehumanized and abused and misused. Think about how that person is going to think and act and feel about themselves and live out this world if, if they're not living in that place. Now imagine like some of the movie, movies, uh, Jason Stratham or uh, uh, Liam Neeson, he comes in and he releases this person from human trafficking and imagine there's a beautiful ending to the story. This person gets adopted into a wonderful, loving family, fully adopted as a son and a daughter with everything that they need in order to thrive for the rest of their lives. What is now true of them, what is now true of them is, is they are loved. They are so loved and even as they work out their struggles, there's nothing they can do to get away from that love. But just think for how long they've lived out of this identity. And think about how long it's gonna take for them to stop thinking and acting and living out of this identity because this identity needs to be healed, needs to be restored and it's gonna take time for them to know at a core dense identity level that actually this is who I am and I am fully loved and healed and restored. And while that is an extreme example, I believe that same thing is true for every single one of us. As we wake up every single morning with the struggle, who am I? And on what basis am I loved and accepted? And I, I know for me and for most of us, my default isn't always who God says I am. 
So somehow my core sense of identity needs to align with who I am truly. And so I want to read three passages today that pretty much say the same thing, but in three different ways. And I really hope that as we use these verses a number of occasions today, you're going to see how powerful they are to explain how we can live out of our identity. So if you're taking notes, write these down because we're going to bounce around from these verses to the next ones. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's passage one. Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, saying the same thing in a different way. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And finally, puts somewhat in a different way, Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, we are to think differently, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I know we flew through those passages, but I want to show you three assumptions that all of these passages have with regards to my identity or my sense of self. And the first assumption is this, that you are not just you, you are to use. You are to use. And I know that sounds very Dr. Susie, but I want to show you how each verse puts it. The first verse with regards to the two yous, it shows you that a you lived for self must be denied. But a you lived for Christ should be embraced. The second verse shows you that a you that is crucified with Christ should no longer live. But the you that is made alive by the life of Christ should be set free to live. The third passage says there's an old you that is corrupted, that should be actively put off. But then there's a new you that should be put on that is being made to be like Jesus. And so here's the first obvious assumption with this wonderful advice that we get on social media. Be true to yourself. Be you. And the question is, which you? The old you, the new you, And as I look inside of myself, it's not always easy to figure out when I look at my feelings, I look at my desires, I look at some of the complexities of my emotions and what's going on there. I don't always know which one is me. And if I'm assuming that everything I see deep inside of me, when I shrug off what the world wants, when I shrug off what my parents want, what my wife wants, what my kids want, and what all these expectations are expecting of me, And I assume that, wow, there are all these wonderful things inside of me and I must be that. That becomes so confusing because which you is the true you because there's two yous. The second assumption that comes out of these verses with regards to these two yous is that there's something wrong. 
with the old you. And this can be one of the most offensive ideas today because undergirding this idea, be true to you, is once again a struggle of all the world's expectations, all the church's expectations, all culture's expectations. And the assumption is when I dig down deep enough and I find these thoughts and desires within me, that that is the purest version of you. That's the good you. And a moral person is one who lives in line with that you. Now, while this is definitely not conventional social media wisdom, but the biblical worldview, and I wanna show you why I believe it's true, assumes that one of those yous, there's something profoundly wrong with them. Lady Gaga expressed it in this song, I think first time I've ever quoted her in church. <laughs> in the song, Born This Way. And listen to how this sounds like even Christianese wisdom. I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. How am I doing on that one? <laughs> Not gonna try singing it or dance it, no. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in, reg in your regret. Just love yourself in your set. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. I was born this way. And so if everything that I see inside of myself, I assume is good and true and pure, we're gonna run into problems. And the first problem is this, it doesn't work. I, I want you to go with a bit of a thought experiment with me. I don't want you to actually do this. But imagine for the next month, for the full month of August, you wake up every single morning you look up, you look deeply inside of yourself and everything you want to do, you do. And everything you want to say, you say. And everything you feel, you express it out because you are born that way. And God doesn't make mistakes. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Every single one of you at the end of August, I can tell you now, will have greater mental health challenges We'll have a poorer sense of self-esteem. We'll have a broken sense of self, broken marriage, broken relationships, and some of you might even be in prison. <laughs> For those of you who have had kids or even during this wonderful week of HBC have ever worked with kids, you would know the truth that as much as we want to look at our beautiful little children when they're born and say, oh, they're so perfect. We know because we live with them that they're not. And here's the struggle with parenting is somehow the bad stuff comes naturally. The selfishness and the snatching and hitting my brother over the head with the train that comes naturally, the good stuff, patience, caring about the fellow kids on the playground. Somehow you and I need to train that in them. Why is that? And now for the rest of us in this room, you and I are grown up versions of that. And we are still struggling with our old selves. 
We are still struggling with this person that we were born with, you and me. So I want us to think about this, just about our physical selves, because it's easier to think about. Once again, as moms and dads, we look at our beautiful babies, boys and girls, and we're like, oh, they're perfect. But you know, I was born with a balding gene. Why are you laughing? Okay, the reason I was born with a balding gene is because I was also born with a perfect head. And so that's all right. But some of us were born with genetic dispositions towards certain diseases that others don't have. Some children are born with spinal bifida. My cousin's child was born with a cleft palate. And so the reality is, at no fault of our own, we are not born physically perfect. Not a person in this room was. And in the same way, when it comes to my emotional world and my character, we are born with some wonderful truths about who we are, which we're going to get to in a, in a, second, in a second. But we're also born with unique challenges, where some of us are just born with anger management issues from day one. Some of us are born with strange lusts and desires that are hard to explain from the beginning. And so we need to understand that there are two yous and the one you, there's something really wrong with them. And so no, don't be true to yourself. Especially if being true to yourself is done unthoughtfully and all you're doing is reflecting the old you, the one that is yet to be healed and restored. This is what the Bible calls our old self, the old man, our sinful nature. The third assumption in these verses is about the way, and this is where I believe the gospel is good news. It's not conventional news, and at first it sounds like bad news, but I want to show you the good news side of it. But the third assumption in these verses is the way to, or the path to, the real and the truly free you. And here's what God wants for you, and just to help us get there, I want to read the first half of each of these verses. Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That doesn't make its way onto social media. That if I have desires and needs, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, a large portion of my energy and a large portion of my willpower is not setting me free, but denying me. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean, oh, me, I'm hungry, so now I'm going to starve outside. Or I want to be warm tonight, so I'm going to you know, sleep next to the pool without a sleeping bag. Is, is that what it means? No. What it means is that old self, that old self needs to be starved. Starved of life and water 
and oxygen. So you need to just deny that old self. That old self is gonna fight you back on that one, which is why he says, now you need to take up your cross. One of the most excruciating ways humans have ever invented to kill someone else. This is not, yeah, you know, sort of try to, sort of try and maybe resist your old self until you get to, you know, hop as eight in the morning. Oh, I tried. No, crucify, deny. The second verse puts it this way, reinforcing what you've just identified. I, me, myself, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That is so opposite to be you. No, I no longer live. Ephesians 4, 22, 24. You were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted. It's like this picture of this rotten, wet, dank cloak. It's corrupting you. Take it off. So no, don't be true to yourself. So that's, the one side, the other side is this. There is a reason God made you. There is a you that is united with God. There is a you that God wants to set free. There is a you that God wants to liberate. There is a you that if set free and if partnered with him is gonna make a huge difference in this world. And the way to that you is number one, dying to self. Number two, living to the new you. No. Number one, dying to the old you. And number two, living to Christ. It's all about anchoring my identity, not in anything within me, not any desire, not any sense of self that I see within me, but in Christ. Why? Because He is my creator. He, together with being the divine Son of God, is also the only perfect human that has ever existed. So why anchor my identity in me, an imperfect human? Even my good traits get perverted and distorted by poor motives. So I'm gonna anchor my identity in Christ. Now, it sounds so strange, but I want you to hear the next part, which is the real promise of Jesus. Listen to the second half of these verses. For whoever wants to save their life, whoever wants to find themselves, whoever wants to to look deeply inside of themselves to be true to themselves will lose it. But our Lord says, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. The paradox is trying to look within myself and live that out. I'm always gonna lose 
But anchoring my identity in Jesus, somehow I will reveal, well, God will reveal who I actually am, the me he created, the me he is restoring, the me he is building up. But from my perspective, it's not about me anymore. The Galatians verse, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the, day, the me I wake up before every day. The third verse, Ephesians 4, be made new in the attitude of your minds, how you think about things, and put on the new self. Which self is this? It's a self that is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I re recently listened to an interview with Terry Crews, some of you would know him from America's Got Talent at the moment, and he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He probably has the most impressive physique in Hollywood. Sorry, Craig. <laughs> and Terry Crews was being interviewed, and if you want to go find it, you can go find it, the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, and it was a week or two ago. And he's talking about how, you know, it's not by accident that he became this fit, strong guy. You see, that was cultivated by him. He worked really hard to be aggressive. He worked really hard to be strong. Because for him, his identity was, when you see me, I want you, the first thing you see, the first thing you think, I want you to be impressed with me, the tough guy. And then he talks about how he got married and at some point, he had to come clean with his wife because he had to reveal, and this isn't gossiping, it's all out there. He's written a book about it. He had to reveal how he had had an affair with another woman and had spent two decades of his marriage addicted to pornography. And suddenly, he was at this fork in the road. And it was a real fork about decisions, but the real fork was, which Terry Crews am I going to let live? Because the narrative of Hollywood is, oh, don't worry about it. This is just your first divorce. Look at your body, bro. You can have any chick in the world. Pay what you need to pay, sort yourself out, and move on. And that was a real option for him. But, you know, he was brought up, and I'll tell you in a second some more about this, but he was brought up as a Christian, and, and he is a confessing Christian and there was something deep inside of him that said, that's the path to brokenness. And so what I need to recognize is that the real Terry Crews is this real broken man. And he decided to find restoration and healing. Went through years and years and years of counseling together with his wife. And they now have, thank the Lord, an incredible marriage. But he started to discover that this tough guy persona was a mask, it was a fake. You see, he grew up in a home where dad used to physically beat up mom. He grew up in a home where mom had all of these quasi-religious legalistic rules, all the, do, the do's and the don'ts. 
He also grew up in a neighborhood where he was exposed to violence and pretty much only the tough survived. And so he believed the lie that I need to be tough. And even before he became famous on TV, he played NFL. And in order for me to survive there, I need to be tough and aggressive and even violent. Until he started to realize that's not the real me. That persona is rooted in such brokenness. That persona is rooted in a scared little boy. And so if I am two Terry Crews, one of them needs to die. And so he says so many times in the interview, his persona simply became, Terry Crews must die. Based on these verses and many more, if I am to become a healed, whole person, Terry Crews must die. Now, did that mean that he stopped going to gym, stopped working out, started eating donuts and fried chicken every day? No, of course not. If you've seen him on TV, he's got, <laughs> you know. It just means his identity is no longer in that. He wrote a book called Tough. And in speaking on this book, he says this in the interview, he says, Tough used to be about big muscles and aggression. But tough is to really introspectively look at yourself. Warts and all, for real, and be brutally honest. He says doing that is like self-surgery. You referenced that movie that some of you have seen maybe, 127 Hours based on a real life occasion where a guy got his arm trapped between two rocks in the middle of nowhere while mountain biking. And he was there for several days until the only way out was for him to take out a pocket knife and cut off his own arm. He says, that's tough. But tough for me now is less about the size of my biceps, but my willingness to take a real hard look at myself and perform that kind of of surgery. Why? Ross, you prayed this. I forget the words that you used. But it is to cut off all that is of my old self, to crucify my old self. Why did that guy cut off his arm? So he could live. So why would we be prepared not to introspect and be true to ourselves, but put ourselves to death? Why? To live. So that is the invitation for today. And I wanna end off with one diagnostic question that can maybe get you started on this road. For Terry Crews, he wanted to be known as the tough guy. That was his false persona. I wanna tell you mine. Every single day when I wake up, I want my wife, I want my kids, when I stand up here on a Sunday, I want you, when you see me, to go, not only us, he's a nice guy because I am a people pleaser. I want you, the first thing you think when you see me to go, wow, Steve's a smart guy. Steve's an intelligent guy. I respect him because of his smarts. 
Now, is there anything wrong with being smart? Of course not. But there is everything wrong with locating my identity in that. Because if that's my identity, then I'm not gonna stand up here and faithfully preach God's word. I'm gonna do everything I can every Sunday to impress you. But then what happens when my smarts let me down and let you down? So when you walk around this world, what is it that you want people to see and to know about you? In other words, what reputation are you hoping to have? Now, of course, we want to leave a legacy. We want to be known as loving moms, loving dads, and and many of those kinds of things. But at the heart of it, what reputation are you hoping will precede you? Because anything that is located in your old self must die. And the challenging decision for all of us this morning is, am I willing, like that man, to cut off my own arm for the sake of true life and true freedom? Am I willing to let Stephen Pullman die? Are you willing to die? This is the beauty of the gospel. Not only is Jesus the only perfect human being that has ever lived, and so we live to him, we're made alive by his life. But if we think about the narrative of the gospel, it is through death that true resurrection came. And somehow it is through putting off my old self. Somehow it is through denying myself. Somehow it is being made alive, not to me, but to Christ. That is where freedom lies. That is where resurrected life lies. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. But I trust that something of this is resonating with you. And it's it's so easy. To say, oh, I need to think about that some more. But I, I want to really not overstate this by saying that this is a matter of life and death. For those of us who are parents, this is a matter of what we're passing on to our kids without even realizing it. The people that we live with. The people that we work with. Who are we truly hoping is going to live through us? Now, does this mean I run around with a Jesus t-shirt all the time? No. But the path to the true you and the free you is die yourself to yourself and live to Christ. Why? Because we serve a risen Christ. And that's all the evidence that I want to put before you. So Father, as every single one of us is thinking about parts of ourselves that need to die, I pray that the clarity of your Holy Spirit would shine a light on us and that we would choose to be tough right now. The world says, look inside of me and affirm everything I see. Your word says, look inside of me and put to death all that is of my old self. But Lord, some of my old self I like keeping around. 
I like people knowing me for that reputation. But I pray that we choose now to be tough, to make the tough decision. And church, I want to encourage you every morning to wake up and to perform some self-surgery. And the greatest thing about all of this is at the end of the day, it's not, as the, uh, it's not the result of your own effort, but the work of Christ on the cross. And we're just somehow partnering with his death and we're partnering with his life. And we're uniting our new self, our life, with his life. And so Jesus, I pray that we would see you as we choose this route, crucify our old self. And I pray as we increasingly live into you every day, we would sense the freedom that you give and the life that you give. Father, I do pray that the trajectories of our lives for some of us this morning would be so different as a result of the work that you're doing in us today. Because like Terry Crews, we've got a fork in the road. So God, we choose to be renewed in the attitude of our minds and to trust you, your way, your death, and your life. Help us, God. Help us choose this daily. But also help us see the freedom that you give us daily. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. If there's anyone who would like further prayer, uh, some of us as leaders in the prayer team would love to pray with you here after the service.